Uh, John Latham on Cape Talk, broadcasting from a delightfully air-conditioned, properly provisioned booth down at Parliament. Um, how was the How was the text, Rebecca? The text was delicious. I must say, you guys have really rolled out the red carpet this year. As Sona's budget decreases, yours appears to be <laughs> going <laughs> the, through the roof. On the way up. <laughs> but you did notice all the Lay's chips and no salt and vinegar amongst them. I did notice that. Is this a talking point for your listeners at the moment? Yes, the fact that salt and vinegar has been... I don't shed a tear, John, do you? I do, because right. I very, very seldom eat crisps. But when I do, I want salt and vinegar. You have to... I, I don't know how in what depth you've covered this but one has to assume they axed them because all you people who claim to love them now were not in fact buying them or I, they actually haven't to my knowledge explained why they've axed them they no. just said that go and have our american smoky barbecue that is yankee <laughs> imperialism <laughs> that is a strange substitute i must say but i i assume unless there's some global shortage of either salt or vinegar that we're not aware of that is because you maybe people did not buy them well, maybe they're taking our health into account and think all well, that salt is bad for our hypertension i can't imagine that the american barbecue is made out of angel <laughs> tears and dew drops but all right <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want angel tear and dewdrop flavoured <laughs> chips. Those I will buy. Here we are at Parliament, and uh, Cyril Ramaphosa will talk to us at six o'clock. There'll be some extraordinary outfits uh, between now and then. Uh, and I mean, do you arrive here with a sense of anticipation? I think you know, John. I was thinking. I think last year I came here and said rashly to you at one of the two Sonas that actually I really like Sona that I enjoy the red carpet spectacle that I like seeing MPs interacting as humans I've changed my mind <laughs> <laughs> well you're allowed I think I've changed my mind Well, I, it's just that you said Lester had described the atmosphere here as relaxed relaxed is one word for it I don't know there seems to be something in the somnolent air. yes it's not it's not that you know, there's an air of dread or anything. It's not that people are downbeat. I just think it's a sort of, yeah, somnolent indifference. Mm. There's there's no sense of occasion that I can really feel. I came to you with a notebook in my hand because I was going to take notes for the atmosphere on the way, and I haven't written down anything because there's no <laughs> I saw a blank page. to record. It's just, yeah, maybe it is the fact that we had two last year. Um or the fact that nobody has particular hopes for the content, perhaps, but neither d does anyone. I mean, you know, the greatest excitement probably is the prospect of disruption. And you feel that, well, at least Parliament's officials anticipate that there will be some form of disruption. I understand that EFF people have been going around chatting to the media and sowing that sense of anticipation. Certainly in the media briefing we were given by Parliament's officials earlier, there was a very much a sense they were preparing for disruption. They were warning journalists to stay out of it, not to get too close, because then we all complain that we got beaten up by the white-coated white bouncers or whatever they are. So they seem to be having sort of um, acclimatized themselves to the possibility. They said, if it's disrupted for more than an hour, we'll send out the speech so long. Um, there, I mean, the, the response from analysts and commentators, as you've probably seen, has been overwhelmingly negative, that this is not the right move, either optically, politically or tactically, for the EFF. But there's also a sense that the EFF has sort of run out of tricks. So I, for one, would not be surprised if this is the route they use to 
hog a bit of the limelight again because we haven't seen a lot of good press for them recently. We haven't seen a lot of press actually since the VBS matter and this certainly would be one way to inject themselves into the narrative again. Yeah, but in, inject themselves in a way that is going to get minimal, if any, positive coverage. I mean, I don't know what's in the head of an EFF supporter, member of the party, somebody who voted for or plans to vote for the EFF. Are they going to look approvingly at that? I think that the EFF never does anything with how it is going to be mediated for the public by the media in mind. I think what they're interested in is... Well, that's why I asked what, what is what is their their actual and potential support base. They, are, they have been brewing this narrative in combination with the public protector and various other people about Praveen Gordon as the enemy of transformation. And I think that there will be those members of their supporter base that see the EFF proudly standing up against Praveen Gordon and the forces of imperialism and white monopoly capital in parliament and might very well look favorably upon that if that is a coherent message that can be achieved through them shouting in the National Assembly. Uh, what what might happen? I was discussing it with uh, Lester earlier and, and his feeling was that something would happen but it's quite difficult to put any detail on what that something I mean, might it, it be. I'm sure it won't be anything that is procedurally sound. I imagine it'll be something like the Speaker will open proceedings, one of the EFF MPs will rise on a, on a fraudulent point of order which will be something like they do not believe that the Sona can go ahead with the Minister Praveen Gordhan still in the House and matters will kind of erupt from there. That would be my take. I mean, I don't see any grounds on which they could have an actual basis for disrupting proceedings. Yeah, and one hopes that they do that and then walk out en masse rather than wait to be removed by the parliamentary security officials because, mm. you know, but again, they might feel that for their constituency that is a better optic than walking out as a, you know, on a matter of principle, we cannot listen to a speech which is made by a president who harbors a defender of um, white monopoly capitalism in its cabinet ranks, so we are leaving. But maybe that plays less well than... I imagine it does. It doesn't have that same martyrdom element that getting chucked out does. I suppose it depends also how brave EFF MPs are feeling today. I was thinking if I was an EFF MP and I was told, right, guys... For the greater good today, you are going to get pummeled in the face by police. I mean, there comes a point where I'd just be like, I'm not getting paid enough for this. <laughs> <laughs> they are getting paid quite a lot. They do have to tithe quite a lot back to the EFF, so they don't okay. take home yeah. that much. Um, um, we know that Jacob Zuma is not going to be here after some confusion. Do we know if Carl Nias is going to be here? I we really, hope really not. hope not. I really hope not. There's no, I mean, there are few people. It's, is there a non-lethal insecticide we could use to get rid of him? <laughs> If there is, I urge people to suggest it. Carl Niehaus is one of the most objectionable people in South Africa. I really think so. You know, he went away for a little while between, I think, around about 2011 and 2017. He resurfaced before Nazrek in 2017, aligned with the Dlamini Zuma camp. And now he is all over the place as... President Jacob Zuma, former president's unofficial spokesperson and the leader of what is now being called the Gauteng Radical Economic Transformation Forces. He also holds a nominal title to do with the MKMVA, the former Mkonto Wesizwe fighters. But the question is why he is tolerated in any society, in fact, as a proven 
um, con man. Yeah. I don't know what else to call him, a con man. A, a man who fakes the death of his parents in order to gain financial advantage and not from somebody that. who believes that his parents are dead. Correct. I mean, how much lower can you go? Well, perhaps you might go the lower of forging the signatures of several top ANC officials in 2005, including Paul Mashtila and Andrew Mocheka, while he was the CEO of the Gauteng Economic Development Agency. He has forged other high-ranking ANC members' signatures as well. In 2009, he lied about having a doctorate from the University of Utrecht. He stole money, it seems, from Rayma Bible Church, for whom he acted as spokespeople for a while. That I don't mind. (laughs) There's no job in which Karl Niaz has not covered himself in disgrace and yet he is still there he's like a cockroach we cannot squash i watched him on enca yesterday being interviewed about this and i thought why why did you put him on television why give him standing Mm. Because, I mean, if you interview somebody on television, it indicates that you believe that person has something interesting, worthwhile to say. And he doesn't. We must resolve as media. And I'm happy to see, actually, that in the interim, John, you may not have seen in the last few hours, the ANC has actually come out against Karl Niehaus. They have raised concern over Karl Niehaus. They have said he is factionalizing radical economic transformation into groupings. And they also have urged him, I think, generally to show more restraint in his public statements. Please. Good, please. Enough. Shush. Now, the most interesting. (laughs) The South Korean who is using virtual reality to have conversations between the dead and the living. That's right. So Explain. Earlier this month, a South, South Korean documentary called Meeting You was screened, which has had the whole country sort of talking around the water coolers. And it's a documentary in which... The makers used virtual reality to create a 3D image of a person. The person in this case was the daughter of a mother, obviously. This daughter had died in 2016 at the age of only seven from a rare blood disease. The researchers took available video evidence. I mean, the evidence. I'm so... It's Carl. It's Carl in my head. They took the video footage of this young girl, they took the photos, and they created this kind of avatar that would look and act like this seven-year-old And sound like dead. her, I presume. Yes. Yeah. And then they gave the grieving mother a virtual reality headset, and I think you also get sort of um, gloves, etc. And they set up this scenario where the mother and the dead daughter met in a park, and the, the dead daughter told her she missed her mother, the mother responded. Who, who does the, the voice and so comes up with the sentences and sentiments of the seven-year-old in this? The, well, the, the voice is obviously based on the footage yeah, and but, but, reco- available recording. But, but they, they have, have an adult or another seven-year-old somewhere with a microphone giving vocal I'm not animation to this. entirely sure. Okay. I think they might have to simply use the limited vocabulary they have available to them from, her, from, okay. from recordings, recordings etc. Okay. The, the interaction apparently was quite short. Then the daughter announced she was tired and she wanted to go to sleep and it ended. And the mother was in tears, as you can imagine. The family was also beside themselves. But overall, they seem to have found it a positive experience. The mother said something like, it's like my dream come true to be able to talk to my daughter one last time. You, I think, take um, not the same Yeah, well, my, my, my first, second, third, fourth, and fifth thoughts were all this is really, really creepy. But then we were talking about it here mm. in, in our studio earlier, and Cecile, uh, Bruce Whitfield's producer, was saying, you know, <laughs> if you could use that to, to get a dead father who'd 
disrespected you because you're a woman and therefore not as good as the son he was hoping for if you could get that avatar to say from beyond the grave i really value what you've done with your life or or something like that then then maybe i don't know what do you think i think i i was immediately reminded of psychics people who believe that they can talk to psychics and through them can communicate with the dead and these psychics often purport to be carrying messages from a loved one which are always very encouraging and upbeat say strong i'm watching you etc and people seem to derive extraordinary comfort from the idea that there are these spirit mediums who can bring them messages and if that is the case then i suppose this is not that different i agree personally i think i would find it unsettling and psychologists have also warned that this kind of reunion with the dead could risk becoming something of an addiction i mean how how would you regulate someone's access to that is it only rich people who would get to meet the dead in this way so there's all sorts of ethical problems but in terms of what you're saying in terms of perhaps just fulfilling a a regret one last thing you wish it said to someone before they go and being aware at all times that this is a fantasy i think perhaps that could be all right it's when people also were misled to believe this was not a fantasy that i yeah. think huge problems could develop yeah something which perhaps has a kernel of worth but is almost certainly going to be misused for profit and emotional abuse one imagines yes yeah. kernel yeah. something which humans. could have a kernel of worth but it will almost certainly be disappointing much like the state of the nation <laughs> it is i did that for ah. you john did that for you that's why we have you on every week for that degree of circularity of wit <laughs> rebecca davis with plan b back again next thursday at the same time